We're going to start out in, in John 13, and we're going to start out in verse 18. We will be looking at a few other passages of Scripture, but, uh, but we're going to be here a couple times today. John 13 and verse 18. Now, if you were here last week, we read the beginning of this, and we read about the, Jesus washing the feet of the disciples and, and what we learned from that. And so verse 18 is continuing from that. I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am he. See, he wants them to realize he is the Messiah, the anointed one, the Savior, the Christ. And so he's saying, I'm warning you in advance this is going to happen so that afterward you can believe I am he because I told exactly what was going to happen in the future and it will happen exactly as I have said. Verse 19. Now I tell you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me. He who receives me receives him who sent me. So as you minister for Christ, as you go out and share Christ and witness, uh, the Lord is with you. And he said, if people receive you, then they're going to receive him and they're going to receive the one who sent him. So when we serve and minister, it's awkward when people reject God's truth, isn't it? I, I was on a short road trip with a friend who was not a believer, and I was sharing Christ with him, and he was arguing against it very strongly, and we realized we had an impasse. I was not going to make him think differently, and he certainly was not going to make me think differently, and so we just let it go. But it was an awkward trip <laughs> the rest of the way till we got home. And then we'd see each other in the community. It wasn't that big a deal. But to be alone in a car when we think very differently. But hey, if they're not going to receive the one who's ministering for Christ, they're not really rejecting you. Like uh, the Lord said to Samuel long ago, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me, the Lord. So... We can be encouraged as we serve him. Verse 21, when Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Now, this is outstanding. The next verse. Then the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. In another passage, they're saying, Lord, is it I? Is it I? Am, am I the one? Verse 23, now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. John always calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. And I don't think John's bragging. Yeah, there were 12 of us, but I'm the one he loved. I, I think John's just referencing he and Jesus had a real close heart. And so he was by Jesus. And when we sit at a table, we sit in chairs like you're sitting in right now. They did not. In fact, in their day, the teacher sat on a bench and all the people stood while he taught. I may end up doing that later. I got Joel on standby to bring the stool up in case I need it. The leg's not working quite so well today. But uh, Jesus would, would sit and, and teach and they would communicate. But when they were at the table, 
they had a really low table. And so to sit at the table, they would kind of lay down and they'd prop one elbow up on the ground and then they would eat with this hand while their feet were back there. So the table was only about that high. So when John, who's right next to Jesus, leans back to Jesus, he's right next to him, so he leans back and his head bumps into Jesus about here, and then he can talk to Jesus. I'm glad we don't sit like that when we eat. We have learned that if you sit up straighter, you can shovel it in faster. So, and, and sometimes we do. So in verse 25, then leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said, Lord, who is it? Well, I'm, I left off... Verse 24, Simon Peter motioned to him. Can't can't you picture this? Simon's maybe across the table because when Jesus wiped their feet, he got washed their feet. He got to a couple guys before he got to Simon. And so I picture like Simon's over there and he's he's given signs like, like, you know, signing to him saying, hey, you know, trying to get John to do what? Because Peter didn't want to yell across the table, Lord, who is it? But Peter wanted to know. Because inquiring minds want to know, right? So in verse 25, Jesus answered, It is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. It's called the sop, the, the bread that get wet. And, and in the juice, the fruit of the vine or wine, and, and he dipped that in there and then he would give it to him. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now, there's many times, many places you want to receive something from Jesus. You don't want to be the guy that gets the bread. Judas was designated by Jesus as the one who would betray him. And I think Judas was maybe on the other side of Jesus, so Jesus could dip it and just hand it right to him. So John's on one side, Judas on the other. Judas has heard Jesus saying, the one who dips the bread is going to betray me, or the one I dip the bread and give to. And Judas knows, and, and Judas is already planning to betray him. But he didn't know Jesus knew till now. Having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Uh, and then G- Jesus said to him, what you do, do quickly. So Satan had already tempted his heart. He was already planning to uh, betray Jesus, and now he's indwelled by Satan. Um, a, a spiritual being has the capacity to step inside a human being. If you are a believer and have received the Lord Jesus Christ, then you have the Holy Spirit of God within you. No one else can get in there. The demons can't get in. You have the Holy Spirit of God. But Judas had not believed and trusted Christ, and so Satan got in. And then Jesus said, what you do, do quickly. Go and get it done. And, but no one at the table knew for what reason he said this to him. For some thought, because Judas had the money box, that Jesus said, buy those things we need for the feast. Or that he should give something to the poor. Having received the piece of bread, then he went out immediately, and it was night. And it was night in Judas' soul as well. 
I, I want to go back and see where Judas became one of the twelve. We're going to look at several passages of Scripture. Uh, in Matthew chapter 10, Matthew chapter 10, uh, we see how Jesus calls his disciples that would become the apostles, the, the twelve who would lead. And he calls them all. And there's no difference here. There's no designation when he calls them. Eventually, there's going to be the 12, and then there's going to be the three. Who were the three that were the more in leadership of the 12? Peter, James, and John. And it was James, the brother of John, because there was another James. Peter, James, and John were the three. Sometimes Jesus would take the three off with him. And we find that in the Garden of Eden, Garden of Eden, in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus is uh, anticipating giving his life. And so he tells the 12 to pray, and then Peter, James, and John go a little further, and he tells them to pray, and then he goes a little further. And, and uh, so John, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 10, he's getting the disciples in verse number 1. When he had called his 12 disciples to them, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now the names of the 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, the son of Alphaeus, and Lebius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, who's also Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. So Jesus calls them all, and he knows Judas will be a traitor. And he calls them all, and he gives them all this capacity. All 12 received this same charge and this same capacity. Take your Bible, please, and turn to Mark chapter 6. So Jesus chose and empowered his disciples. By the way, it doesn't mean that every disciple of Jesus has this capacity. It was a special gift he gave to the apostles. There are different times in different areas where God gifts people differently. In fact, the instruction that we get from Paul and Peter about spiritual gifts is that God chooses who gets what gifts, when, and why. And so we all have some spiritual giftedness, but these guys had these specific gifts to be able to heal and to do stuff like that. So in Mark chapter 12, now we find them, Mark chapter 6, Mark chapter 6, we find them actually doing what uh, God had given them the capacity to do. Mark chapter 6 and verse 7. He called the twelve to him and began to send them out by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. Now, uh, move down to verse 12. So they went out and preached that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and had anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. So he calls the twelve, he sends them out by two, and they go out and serve. Notice what it doesn't say. And the 11 went out, but Judas didn't do it. Judas is out there and he's preaching that people should repent. 
Isn't that kind of ironic? He didn't repent. But he's preaching that other people should. But he's also casting out demons. Later, he would be indwelled by Satan. But at this point, he's casting out demons. He's anointing many with oil who were sick, and they're getting healed through the ministry of Judas. Now, go back to Matthew chapter 7. And Matthew chapter 7, uh, this is the Sermon on the Mount. And toward the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says something that this sounds like a description of Judas. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. When we were studying through that passage, we looked at what is the will of the Father in heaven. John 6 explains very clearly it's God's will that we believe on Jesus and that we be saved and that we, Jesus keeps us saved and that we end up in heaven with him. That's God's will. It's not like you earn your salvation. You receive salvation as a gift from Jesus Christ. So, verse 22 Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye who practice lawlessness. He says, it sounds just like Judas, doesn't it? He was out there preaching. He was casting out demons. People were getting healed. Now, one last glimpse into Judas before uh, the scene in John 13. Turn to John 12. John 12. And we see a side of Judas that only Jesus and Judas knew about. Nobody else knew this was going on. In John chapter 12, I'm going to go ahead and begin reading, uh, and we'll look in verse number 3 through 6. John 12 and verse 3. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, not Simon Peter, but a different Simon. Don't you feel sorry for Simon? I mean, I think he'll probably be in heaven. But how sad for him that his son rejected Christ. Simon's son, who would betray him. And why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This, he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. He was scavenging from the money box. People would give money to the Lord, and he was putting it in his own bag, and a little bit in the bag for Jesus. Joel and I were talking about a mission organization that is just, we just found out they were doing this an organization we both loved and respected, and, and it's been exposed that the leaders have been taking gobs and gobs of money designated for missions. So let me tell you, one of the things we do as a church, we support missionaries who have accountability 
to mission boards so that there's people overlooking the work they do and the money they receive and how it's spent. And, and we find out if they're at 100%. Because Kathy and I, years ago, were in a church where a missionary came, and he's begging us for support. He's so needy. And then we found out he's on the field in Brazil, and he was getting more than $100,000 a year support. Well, I mean, $100,000 a year isn't much when you're running a ministry, right? Our offerings are substantially more than that in a year, or we'd have to close our doors. But it was all going to him, and then he was using some of it for the churches, the mission, but he was living in royalty because it doesn't cost as much to live in Brazil. And so he had a huge house with servants and all that, and he's begging us for more money. So the missionaries we support aren't like that. We check them out. We approve their mission board. Then we approve the missionary. And, and so when we're asking you to give to the missionary, we're not expecting that they're living a lot better than you are. We're expecting that they need this money. And we know they need it. So anyway, back to this story. Judas is a thief. So he's a liar, a cheat, a deceiver, and a thief. Nice guy, huh? There is supposedly out there a book called The Gospel of Judas and how Judas was Jesus' right-hand man and, and they entered into this agreement and he would pretend to betray Jesus to fulfill the will of the Father. That's not what the Bible says. There's a reason why that book was rejected by the church because it doesn't match up with the biblical revelation that we have, that we can verify, that we can document. I have a book in my study, The Lost Books of the Bible. You know what the lost books of the Bible are? None. There's a long history of how we got the Word of God and how it's been preserved and how it's been recorded and documented and researched and evaluated. And the preponderance of evidence and manuscripts, we can trust the Scriptures. But Judas listened to Jesus preach and teach for more than three years. Over the course of three years in a church like ours, you can, if you're in Sunday school and Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday nights when we have it and Thursday night in Awana, uh, you could hear four or five messages a week for three years. A couple thousand messages. But Jesus taught every day. Judas heard lots and lots and lots of truth. And he traveled with the Lord, often eating and sleeping in the same house. It sounds like from what the disciples were thinking in, in chapter 13 of John that maybe Judas was going out to get some stuff for the, for the feast, uh, that maybe it was common for Judas to go buy the food that they would eat. He was on the boat when Jesus calmed the seas. He helped distribute the bread and the fish when Jesus did the miracle and multiplied them. 
He walked with the disciples, taught with them, prayed with them, preached with them, ministered with them. And when the disciples and apostles were sent out two by two, one person went with Judas. And the person who went with Judas never saw the dark side of Judas, never saw the truth. Judas pretended to be one of the regulars, that none of them had any idea what was going on. When Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me, none of them said, I bet it's Judas. You know, when our kids were younger, and there's historically, in a lot of families, uh, they talk about how uh, within a family, especially preachers' families, there's usually one kid that doesn't follow the Lord. And, and often you can raise kids the same way, love them, pray for them, care for them, and there's one who just doesn't follow the Lord. And so the other, the older four kids all said, it's going to be Benjamin. <laughs> Isn't it sad how he's not following the Lord? <laughs> but Judas fulfilled everybody's expectations except Jesus, the one whose expectations matter, the one who is the judge of heaven and earth, the one who is the mediator between God and man, the only one who can be redeemer, the only one who can be savior, the only one who can save our souls. Look back in John 13, please. In verse 31, So when Judas had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. Little children, I shall be with you a little while. You will seek me, as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. By that, I'm sorry, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. And it's kind of ironic that Peter, like the love for one another part, he misses that. He doesn't catch that. He goes back to the part before that. And in verse 36, Simon Peter said to him, Lord... Where are you going? Peter later learned to love one another. But it was was a difficulty. In the book of Galatians, Paul writes about Peter causing a division in the church in Antioch. And Paul having to straighten Peter out to get get it resolved. Peter learned. But at this point, it like went over Peter's head. All he thought was, you're going away. I want to go with you. Now, this is a good thing. Peter wanted to be with Jesus. Don't we all? If you don't have a desire to be with Jesus today, then you need to rearrange the priorities of your life. I'd love to have him call me home today. All of us together. That's my preference. Like an old friend of mine said, I am not looking for the undertaker. I'm looking for the upper taker. I like that. So Peter says, Lord, um, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. Verse 37, Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. 
Jesus answered him, Will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. You see, up until Judas' betrayal, Peter and Judas looked a lot alike. They'd both been called by Jesus into the group of 12. They had both been sent out serving, ministering, preaching, teaching. They both walked with Jesus and served with Jesus. They both prayed with people to help those people connect with God. But only God knows the heart. He knows whether a person is a pretender, like Judas, and he knows whether a person is a sincere believer, like Peter, but a little bit too sure of himself. Peter denied the Lord, but he didn't betray the Lord. There's a difference. God knows your heart. He knows whether you have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. He knows whether you're trusting him in your daily life to make value choices that are consistent with his values as described in Scripture. You see, being a true disciple, as Peter was, does not protect you from sin. You need to guard against sinful choices. Peter, as the story goes on, the history of this night, Peter goes in and he follows Jesus and John, and then he denies Jesus because people tell him, you you must be with Jesus because your voice sounds like You're with that group, with Jesus. You have that accent. Have you ever heard somebody from England speak English? Doesn't it sound like it's a foreign language? Especially if they're from Scotland. Even the British have trouble understanding the Scottish English. They recognize Peter. You're with him, aren't you? Well, Jesus just got arrested and it looked bad. And Peter said, no. No, not me, no. And they asked him again, no, and they asked him again. And he cursed and swore and denied the Lord. You have the same capacity as Peter. Remember last week, Peter told Jesus, Lord, you will not wash my feet. And now, it would have been better if Peter had just said, Lord, why do you want to wash my feet? Help me understand and learn. So, you see, we don't get to tell God what to do or what he's not going to do. Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. Jesus said, you really want me to. If I don't wash your feet, you have no part in me. So when, when Peter denied Jesus, he was so sure that he wouldn't, and Jesus knew that he would. But Jesus already had a plan in place. Jesus already knew he was going to die on the cross to pay the penalty of all sin of all time for all people who will receive him and trust him as Savior. And so anyone who believes and trusts in Jesus and receives the gift of salvation, their sins are washed away. Jesus knew he was going to die on the cross for the very sin of Peter denying him when he was arrested. And he also knew that after his resurrection, he would seek out Peter And he would restore him. And so Jesus does. Because we are his sheep. And as good shepherd, he seeks after those sheep who have strayed. We are his family. And he takes care of his own. Peter had not lost his salvation. We are kept by the power of God. But but Peter's relationship with Jesus was strained. 
And then Jesus restored him and, and gave him an opportunity to serve again. And we read in the book of Acts, one of the greatest revivals in the history of the world, a church went from 120 to 3,120 in one day through the preaching of Peter and the power of the Holy Spirit of God. But you see, when Judas betrayed Jesus, the Lord did not seek to restore Judas. Instead, Jesus allowed Judas to suffer, listen carefully, to suffer the natural consequences of his choices. When a person rejects Jesus Christ as the only way of salvation, even if they're faithful in another kind of church, faithful in another kind of spirituality, if they have rejected Jesus Christ as Savior, the Lord allows them the consequences of their choices. So you need to trust Jesus Christ as Savior, the only hope of salvation. Then God will allow you to suffer the natural consequences of believing on Jesus. And that is your sins forgiven, your home in heaven, instead of the natural consequences of rejecting Jesus, which is the way of destruction. So we need to immediately repent when we have sinned. Don't let sin strangle your spirit. Don't let it rule in your heart. Repent. As we talked about last week, you, you get saved once, but then you correct that relationship over and over like Peter did with the Lord. When you're going in the wrong direction, shift course, get back on the right track. Call out to the Lord for forgiveness. Change your direction and follow him more carefully, more closely. Make wise and spiritual choices that make sense in your eternal life now and then, because you're already in your eternal life. It started at the moment you were conceived, and your eternal life will continue forever. So make wise choices now that you'll appreciate later. Peter and Judas looked the same and talked the same and acted the same. It's possible, we have no idea, it's possible Jesus impaired Judas up with Peter. We don't know. He assigned him two by two and sent him out. Maybe he paired him up with Andrew because they were used to traveling together. So there was James and John and Peter and Andrew. We don't know. But this we know from the outside. They couldn't tell the difference between Peter and Judas. But God could. And God can see your heart today. From the outside, you're going to church. You've maybe got a Bible that you brought, or you got your phone with the Bible on it, or uh, you, you're here. And when the offering tra- plate was passed, maybe you gave some. But that's not enough to get into heaven. You need to trust Christ as your Savior and have your sins forgiven. And if you have not yet done that, you need to do that today. Otherwise, you're already on the path Judas was on. You need to get off that path. Trust Christ as your Savior and follow him. And if you know the Lord, you need to make some wise spiritual choices. 
we're going to answer to God someday. I remember when I was a kid, my dad would tell me what I needed to do before he left the house. And when he got home, it was always done. Not. And I'd get in trouble. And I hated getting in trouble. But I was so stubborn, I would just get mad at dad. He should have let it go. And some believers are that way with God. God said, don't do that, and they do it anyway, and then there's consequences, and then they get mad that God allowed those consequences. There's a reason why Jesus called us sheep. Sheep are kind of dumb. And sheep always take the path of least resistance unless they're driven by the shepherd and drawn by him. So you and I need to make serious choices because sin is serious. You will not lose your salvation, but if you live in sin, you will lose your reward and you will lose your joy. There's a joy of knowing Christ, of talking with him. And when you pray to him and you're not choosing to live in sin, he listens. If you choose to live in sin, the psalmist said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord won't hear me. And, and so we need to get as close to God as we can and make wise choices. And when we don't, when we slip up and we notice it or somebody else points it out to us, we need to repent and be restored just like Jesus restored Peter.